So um, I would say let's start with with this past year. How was your year? Because for myself, it's been it feels like ten years. <laughs> so I would want to know what what was your year like, Fisky? So for me, it was the most intense year I ever had in my life. Like not even close. Like obviously, career-wise and financially, it was almost up only, right? So that was good. But personally, I had many, many struggles I had to overcome. And yeah, uh, now it's good, but it was very volatile. I cannot imagine next year being, you know, same level as, as the last one. So I hope we will have a bit of chill, maybe on the markets as well. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there will be chill. I feel like everything is accelerating. And you know what? Best year for me was like more on Twitter than ever before. And it feels like the more you're sort of caught up in the daily drama, the less sense everything makes like it's so fragmented then if you're like every day messaging or 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 tweeting and talking to people it just well i mean that's true on the one hand kind of pays off finger on the pulse of the market and like collective subconscious which is manifested through twitter i kind of feel that being there is is valuable at least for us and for me it was very valuable that being saying yeah it, it provides a lot of distractions as well but for me as i said my my year was mostly volatile and uh, kind of challenging in different areas of my life uh, rather than crypto so for me it was also some sort of an escape where i could just you know focus on this wild uh, you know drama that's happening and just have fun with it i never never took it too seriously so i'm i think i'm more, more or less immune to some of the negative aspects of it but yeah it's it's definitely something that if you get too immersed in it you kind of get a loose track of the big picture yeah i think that uh we were just talking about luna right when you when you think about luna like there wasn't much luna talk like a year ago on twitter and uh look look where it is today i remember i think it was jacob uh kubo he was really into luna very early or not like into luna but it was mostly about the the valuation and today you have people talking about luna after the pump right yeah do you kubo do you remember what was the like price to earnings ratio of luna when we were buying it it was something stupid no it was something like, like four or something yeah. like I don't know, shocking uh, in comparison to ThreadFi and BoomerFi. And like to be honest, I'm not even sure at this point if the data were real, if uh, if they were counted correctly. But I remember just saying like even if it's like double or triple, it's still a great value bet. But there was almost no way to buy it on the market. Right. I remember I was the one who was executing the buy orders on KuCoin and there was no liquidity. We started to buy it during 2020, I guess. It was like yeah. spring, spring or yeah. late spring, early summer. Yeah, yeah. But I remember you, we had a discussion like what didn't pump, right? It was, anyway, Luna did not pump. It was added on Binance, uh, I think in summer or somewhere when the price was still around 20 cents. Yeah, but we yeah, bought yeah. all of it on KuCoin, right? I was buying on KuCoin $10,000 every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that not everything was bought on KuCoin, I think. We bought later on, we added, but it was still like around, you know, like I think the range was like 20 to 50 cents. Thinking about it today or when we see the pump from today's perspective, it's like seed stage returns when you think about it. It's almost Solana-like returns. So that's insane from the secondary and uh, also like many re retail people had a chance uh i was trying shield luna because when people were asking me in summer 2020 about some like peaks like always i don't know like DeFi in that time looks to me like over <laughs> overvalued kinda or like everything look looks to me overvalued so i was shielding just like bitcoin luna and kusama all of them so were. is is this the most unexpected thing of the past year luna or is it solana 
or is it both of them? I don't know. I, I think I, none of those is too unexpected. I mean, uh, I I remember tweeting in something like February when Luna was already kind of it was already like six six dollars or something. And I remember, I mean, I don't want to brag too much, but kind of remember tweeting that you know I was actually playing with the ecosystem as well, and I remember tweeting that it should be in top ten based on the activity and UX and everything that's happening there. So for me, it was not entirely unexpected. That being said, still like you know huge returns, right? Yeah, I would say their success isn't unexpected, but the current price levels kind of is. Yeah, so I remember I, it was already like doing well a year ago. So maybe what is unexpected is how it you know how Solana, how Luna, and Ava totally obliterated Polkadot, right? That is. Mm-hmm. Something that is very personal to us when you you know think about our involvement in the Polkadot ecosystem in terms of you know building and uh, yeah I think like Avax is the only thing that we did not touch like we passed on it right I think Kubo brought it we had a chance to to do some round I don't know when it was and we just totally I think I don't think we even paid attention it was previous A yeah that was our thesis that we will not touch uh, any layer one except of ETH and then we changed our mind with Solana but it was like outlier. Yeah no sharding so there was a black horse if uh, sharding will be fundamentally flawed or like insecure or something yeah so L1s are like all the rage today and maybe maybe the thing about Polkadot is that is not layer 1 right I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. it's not it's not layer 1 it's not layer 1 I've been saying this for uh, for the longest time, so I know beam. it's layer zero, right? It's layer zero, but, I don't but know. same like Cosmos. Then I would say that you know the the reason why Polkadot didn't pump as much. I mean, it was already pump. It was already in top ten for a long time. That's one thing, right? So it's harder to pump, you know, being already high. And the second thing is it just doesn't have adoption momentum. You still cannot do much. There are some things you can do there, but wallet really sucks. Polka JS is like UX unfriendly. There are just no like huge incentives to just bridge there and start farming there um, and i think that's the main reason not the fact that it's not l1 no it's not because it's not l1 that's for sure so it became like smarter uh, people cardano of sorts smart um, people's cardano i like that yeah, yeah, yeah something like that i mean not smart smarter people <laughs> cardano i'd say i think you're right in terms of no action on, well, on Polkadot. i would yeah. say Polkadot had its moment in 2020 actually also there was some saying that project raising on Polkadot or basically like claiming that they're Polkadot projects that they have some like premium because they were raising uh, pretty easily and at like unexpected higher valuations than like projects building in different ecosystems even on Ethereum so this year it was still not working I think it couldn't maintain the all-time high okay so back to the question what is the most unexpected thing that happened Olympus and Shiba Inu that one I don't know about like I mean I'm not doing those Inu was also like almost behind super near to Dodge yeah it almost flipped Dodge yes oh even right now it's pretty close for meme coins the success of meme coins this year is pretty impressive yeah I think that Olympus had that sort of a meme coin with an actual utility campaign I would say uh, which is why it was successful if this year was a year of meme coins but it's funny that copycats are doing that well so I would say that it was a year of copypasta in a way right because ohm was successful was super successful but then think about all the countless ohm forks think about l1s which in a way are copy pastas of the original idea 
So it was all a year of copypastas doing very well. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but I would say it definitely was the case. I remember we had a call with Zeus. It was January, remember? And we had the discussion afterwards. And I was like, yeah, this is going to take a while. Like if this ever becomes a thing, it's going to be like three years. And, and it was totally the opposite of it. One thing that did really well was the community, right? That was something that I think kicked off the success more than anything else. They made enough people rich enough, early enough to bootstrap this. This feedback loop and yeah also the design is interesting right it's different than anything else that's out there and actually i think it was saved by external factor actually like the ability to use it as a collateral was maybe even like better move than anything else maybe except of bonds because like having collateral which is like rebasing or increasing its amount and that potentially value it's probably best ponzinomics ever <laughs> uh, we still have people who ask if it's a ponzi or not it's so funny i mean yeah, there are some people that really yeah, hate I, I it mean it's ponzi I, I mean that it's like best what you can do because all these outrageous profits doesn't need to be realized via dumping on market but you can just borrow or actually it was used obviously for like leverage so people who were really hard believers they use their own backs to acquire even more even more owns so these are things that worked out well for us but what is the thing that we missed what do you think is the biggest miss for us this um, last year so I didn't miss it personally um, I'm not, not sure if it's something that the answer that you will like but there was pretty huge nft say hype cycle short hype cycle and a lot of people actually even those that came to crypto quite late like even start of this year and they had a couple of thousand dollars and if they were smart enough and oriented themselves quickly enough they could make seven seven digits just by flipping nfts that was like a huge i would say it was a hype cycle it was pretty short but it made a lot of people really well off just because the opportunities were like absolutely wild you could just mint or flip art blocks or anything else with like insane quick returns and i don't know i, I don't think we we as vc should play this but i'm just saying that this is something that we kind of missed we kind of try to catch up with this this market by investing in like you know nft marketplaces like magic eden or solana for example but still we we, we kind of miss this this little like uh, hype cycle in general we don't have anything that would uh, give us any exposure to that. the vc play would be like investing in nft infrastructure yeah well we started a bit too late though yeah we're doing that we're investing in nft infrastructure but like in terms of the nft hype cycle i kind of i don't really feel bad about missing out on that one like at all just didn't feel like that's a game that we want to play i think that for you it was it was fun it was a relaxing break from like yeah. all the fundamental analysis right and we missed that one but this is just a beginning for nfts as a concept right because there's so much more that you can do with nft season. I'm so disappointed when we get all these emails, when we get DMs with all those unimaginative NFT projects, like game-changing NFT platform, whatever, or games or just collectibles that don't really make sense. I remember when we were talking to, I think it was Stefan or someone back in 2020 about NFTs. And we were talking about like, if you attach kind of like access or something to an NFT that gives it some utility, that this is something that we'll, that we're starting to see right now. And, you know, NFTs and identity, access management, etc. That is interesting. But, you know, like stupid games, I don't think like these games that we see today, most of them just won't be around in like two years or something. Only those that we invested in, of course. Yeah. No, I said most, most <laughs> of the games because... 
Like there's so much crap out there. It's the same as ICOs in, you know, early 2018. Like everyone was doing an ICO. Everyone was raising. Like they're not around anymore. Obviously some are, but most of them are not. You still think that they're around? Yeah, actually many of them. Some of them, they have even like eatbacks from the time. Like for example, Ave is like one of them. Not really sure. More like ex exception rather than a rule. Oh, for sure. So I would but say most are not around. Yeah. Same was basically synthetics. Well, a lot of them also pivot to something different. I'm not sure if game can pivot as easily though. Game, of course not. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different thing. But back to the question, I'm scrolling top 100 coins and I'm trying to figure out like what kind of, you know, bet we missed that we should kind of feel bad about it. I feel that maybe Avalanche is the only one that we kind of yeah. could be like sure. a bit regretful about. But other than that, like what, I, should we feel bad about missing sheep? I don't think so. No. Um, I'm scrolling down and I don't see much. Maybe something's like Arviv or Helium, this like Web3 infra yes. non-financial place. I think we, we didn't understand these pretty well. Or we weren't even like close enough to the deal flow source to be able to take a closer look. But these things, I think we kind of probably missed a bit. Yeah, I was talking to someone about Helium and uh, how some of the investors had like such a huge conviction on those. Like early on, I was kind of close to like when I back in 2017, 18, I was around like the Energy Web Foundation crowd and Energy Web. And that was, you know, trying to achieve something you know, like with, you know, energy market. I saw how difficult it is, how, how all the regulations is you know in the energy sector is so much complicated and then in the financial sector and how just you know how those people sort of are the incumbents in the market how they don't understand what's going on in terms of you know this innovation so i became very bearish on those things so when i saw helium and things like that i was just like this is such a hard thing to achieve that went for the easy I mean, things sometimes when you are around very early and you see these ideas fail it may also give you a lot of negative bias it can you know those guys didn't necessarily fail but i just didn't feel like it's their time now that was it but yeah i think you're right well we were too defensive i had also negative bias about decentralized storage for a long long time which changed right just right now but i would like to give kudos to multicoin they basically did both helium and rv very early which in those times like super contrarian bets very i heard that kyle he had such a high conviction on mm. those things especially on helium i was very early in golem network it was one of my first tokens <laughs> i bought in 2017 so give me kudos too i was directionally right <laughs> do you remember your geon thing that you were chilling like <laughs> yeah 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 geon, geon. it was this polish guy but i mean it was adoption thesis right was it similar to foam it wasn't similar to foam it was a bit similar to foam but more central and more like oriented towards user or traveler experience, right? It was more targeted to people who want to travel, want to see new places rather than just, you know, being like generalized, uh, decentralized map or whatever. I don't think it's somewhere right now. Geon, I'm trying to find it on CoinGecko. I think I will fail. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> what about Foam? Foam, also that, I think. I'm pretty sure they are still doing something, but Token is like kind of cracked for a long time. I don't think the Token makes much sense. Oh, that, I mean, the the chart looks like it is like going just sideways with some small pumps but yeah i mean it's like someone is training market making on it. yeah the volume is like nothing i still like these types of project either they didn't you know crack the adoption yet or like the product market fit or maybe they don't really focus on on the token or like the crypto aspect anymore and they are doing something different outside of it i don't know i'm scrolling through our passes in, in Trello. And there's not like that much that we missed. 
There are some funny things though. I won't be <laughs> disclosing those. I would say like biggest miss for me personally, but I think for like Halsey Prime or all of us was not being more aggressive with Hydra. I would with... say aggressive in general. Yeah. For example, raising another round right away, the LBP where the momentum was uh, was strongest and biggest. More aggressively hiring, more aggressively thinking about new use cases and building them. But I don't know. Uh, on the other hand, I don't want to repeat the same mistake as many other people are doing that uh, they are starting to think too big and building next consensus or something. I think it's much better to lay solid foundation as much as possible. Yeah, Jakub, how it is, because you were with Z Prime full-time and just sourcing deals and talking to founders and now you are basically a founder yourself. How is the transition? Very eye-opening. I had a tweet about it. That I got much more respect to founders uh, and all builders and especially developers because I realized that developers those who are not scammers or sociopaths, they have much bigger respect to user funds than actually users themselves. <laughs> it's funny because like users usually or retail or like guys like me, they are like often aping somewhere, which they don't see completely where it can break. While these developers, they see that there is like probably 30 places and dependencies where it can break and lead to loss of huge funds. So it hit me a lot because I remember how I was like nitpicking on like Z prime calls with founders, like their tech and mechanism design and everything like why you are not using this or why you are not using this or do you know about this competition they are doing uh like better design like why you are not doing it like that and then i realized that when you are a builder it's not possible anymore to touch with with everything basically you have just like 24 hours and what do you guys think about sort of everyone or every founder being an investor because i talk to some people about this i see a lot of founders investing in other projects which is cool but then you realize that you know their bags are you know like their investments are sometimes bigger bags than their own bags as in their own projects token or you know just back in general i think this optionality is on one hand it's good because it allows founders to survive like uh okay if it doesn't work out for you you made it anyways but isn't that tricky when everyone just wins just by participating and not really delivering it's definitely tricky and I think that like, this incentive structure of the market is on many places kind of broken, more broken than in the real world, where everything is liquid super early. You know, even when it comes to VCs, the lockup periods are very short, so you can actually dump tokens before the product hits product market fit. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel that this is the same sort of problem. Right now, founders can exit some of their bags pretty quickly and just diversify and i mean many many founders in crypto they are usually like crypto ogs so they actually have like even earlier bags from 2017 or something they have eat for very cheap so they actually have like pretty substantial portfolios and they are managing them actively most of the time they don't want to just put it somewhere into a blind trust like like some politicians would do right it's kind of tricky but on the other hand it's very hard i mean i if i was founder i would do the same thing right because i want i want to have like easier life i don't want to have you know my optionality decrease to the point that i'm like chewing glass while staring into abyss as elon musk said you know having no, these, like for sure grueling experience so 
I don't know. I like my life. I want to have it easier, right? So it's very hard for like someone to really resist this temptation and just yeah. I never, I never meant to sort of to criticize it because one cannot criticize it. It feels weird if there's too much optionality. Like there's no directionality then in general. So I think like if we have too much optionality on individual level, then perhaps we're losing directionality on the macro level because there's no one who's building you know exact vision or the future so it's there's definitely some kind of trade-off and i always ask this like i know it's it's 2021 whatever it is but bezos probably did not have a portfolio in like 98 or something right it was probably um there's something about being i don't want to say cornered but when you have only one option you always make it work or you try to make it work right it's like the necessity is the mother of invention in a way if you've got too much options and you're not forced to do something you might not put that effort in and then there's a problem of on the other hand of also i don't know if you've seen it but i've seen people having uh, and i've heard about people having some psychological issues mental pressure of making it too early <laughs> right there's so many stories that i've heard and i don't even know those founders as in i don't know their projects and their <laughs> and they made it and the pressure that comes with that this kind of optionality can cause you a lot of stress i'd say mm, i think it has still more benefit to your well-being than having no, no optionality and having stress from just either making it with your own project or just failing miserably and just go back to nine to five or something show me the incentives i will show you the outcome and the market gives us these incentives so it's very hard to do anything about it structurally i think the only thing that can help is these like crazy individuals that will go against uh you know the current and against these these incentives i don't know many of these but i think they are out there maybe they won't be from us anymore or like western countries or more developed countries because these people are used to some standard of living and they have access to let's say optionality maybe we will see some 15 year old kids from pakistan having no other choice than to build their own shit because they don't even have a portfolio too many maybe some other geographical areas as we'll step in and take place of these like gritty founders that is what i'm thinking i put out a tweet a couple of months ago about the um like is there a founder that has no other bags just his bag his project there were some like people tagging someone but nothing you know sort of real came out of it maybe so, so there probably isn't anyone like that out there but the other thing that you were just saying about like the founder like the one crazy guy that will go against the grain that will make the next big thing is probably not in the US or whatever. I don't think that necessarily has to be true. I think about the role of being sort of isolated in terms of being able to deliver something amazing. I would say that this guy that is building something amazing right now is is probably not on crypto Twitter. That's why we cannot reach him. So we cannot invest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's why I'm reaching out right now. <laughs> I think this is how it works. Like it's I'm not saying that there are not great things being built by people who are on crypto Twitter. I'm just saying that probably there are people outside of crypto Twitter that are building something even better. Well, sometimes I am surprised like how founders of really big projects and especially some layer ones, they are like answering on every food or every thread or they, they are basically like everywhere. I don't know if their accounts are managed uh, by some like marketing team or, or stuff, but when I see how much time they are spending on Twitter and all Twitter fights, 
I'm <laughs> I'm sometimes like very bearish on, on these projects. But I don't know, maybe they are super they are maybe super capable managers that uh, they manage their project there so well that developers are on and all other employees or contributors are doing actual stuff and then they can do these like Twitter fights. It's possible. But I feel like compared to like two years ago, so much more is going on publicly. Maybe it was just me not being that much on Twitter. I mean, I'm still not there that much, but I feel like like being engaged that much sort of changes the dynamics. I was saying earlier in terms of sort of being too engaged in what's going on or you sort of lose the vision. Think about two years ago when we we're doing research, etc. like how long it took us to for us to make the decision and also how kind of more long-term oriented were we and now the questions when we're on a call with founders these days is more about immediate and like oh this this will not get adoption in a week or a month or three months right i noticed that we're kind of much sort of shorter short-term oriented in terms of the product itself right like we were on a call with a founder yesterday and fisky was saying oh this is more like a long-term project it's going to take like two three years but it used to be more default like back yeah. right when we were talking to founders two years ago now we're like oh this is not going to have adoption and we're thinking like it's not going to get adoption in two months yeah i mean i was just saying it not in a way that you know this is going to take too long so that's why it's not interesting i was actually just pointing out that this is a project with a lot of difficult technical challenges that will need to be overcome you know with um, some research and development over years Whereas, you know, something like Olympus, it was set of smart contract on top of Ethereum and it was pretty, pretty quick. Making it and getting adoption that when you sort of you change your benchmark and you're comparing every single founder that you're talking to or every single project to what's going on right now. And then you expect them to have that traction that the other project is having. And there was no adoption in crypto <laughs> two years ago. I mean, no, no adoption, but there wasn't that much traction and there wasn't that much going on we were able to think about sort of long-term and now it's more short-term or do I get it wrong? No, oh, yeah, right. But uh, basically it's not specific to crypto. It's the same as, for example, e-commerce was, was decreasing uh, delivery time and people are very much saying like when you can get delivered something from Amazon in the same day or, or next day and some small shop is offering to you like delivery in three days, you are like, oh, nah, like three days, are they crazy? Like I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take it from Amazon. So it's probably a little bit similar uh, way of thinking. I don't know. Maybe I felt like it's uh, it has to do something with being involved with using the application every day for something for farming, whatever. And then on the other hand, not using anything. So being able to not engage on a daily basis, being able to think more long term. If we kind of frame it in a, in a question that would be interesting is what's the future? What's the next big thing in terms of the next year? 21 was crazy. What's going to happen in 22? So we can make like a public prediction. Hydra DX. I don't know. I think it's a little bit related. I'm really excited or curious to see projects native to some uh, alternative layer ones. So it's not just like fork of Solidity code of something from E, but like native projects for these new ecosystems who are leveraging the underlying tech better because it was created in the mind. Everything Polkadot specific, everything Cosmos specific, everything Solana specific, which is not just like fork of something from E. 
So you expect it's not all about Ethereum or Solidity or the limitation of Ethereum? Like next year, we will finally see cross-chain, not just like token transfers uh, between two chains, but uh, more like cross-chain smart contract calls and this kind of stuff. And do you think that in the next year, will it be kind of obvious that cross-chain is just not one of the options, but is it the only option? Not sure. Probably yes. I don't want to say cascading effect, but sort of like a real, very complicated, a very complex use case that are not possible on Ethereum, but can be possible if they happen in a cross-chain world. So the way I understand, for example, Substrate and in general sort of Rust, and I understand that we can build more sophisticated applications than you can do on Ethereum, but isn't that the same thing that you can do on Layer 2? Yeah, I would say differently. I would say that same as people weren't expected that, for example, Sushi or Aave and other DeFi protocols will be deployed on many of these other Layer 1s. I think what we can see as an extra will be that some of these applications and we see it already with compound they want to have like full control about their business logic and community and everything so they will be building their own rollups so that application specific rollup their own will be just about that one application or their application specific chain will be just about it uh, and it's maybe broader ecosystem but the same as people were dismissing this like fed protocol thesis or like this uh, like current reality that we have like a lot of of other layer ones except of it we can see another shift which would be also like the standard crypto fractalizations similar as you see like fractalization of other things like for example like eat maxis and eat community and eat overall like being like very similar to bitcoin maxis and bitcoin community and also same like way of thinking about how to scale how to scale infrastructure or how to scale uh, underlying protocol for me next big thing is we can talk about the thing we that are kind of obvious or semi-obvious now like I feel that decentralized uh, leverage trading and options can become a thing with increased scaling finally I mean it kind of starts now but it can go exponentially next year but I wouldn't even say that that's like next big thing it's something that's sort of expected I wouldn't say that what you you described with this complex cross-chain uh, logic and app specific chains I don't even think that this will be regarded as next big thing it will happen but it will be happening on the background but like for me next big thing is something that's like that captures you know the narrative of the day or like the attention of like huge crowds for some significant time and it's usually something that's like more controversial and also something that's very simple right like all the next big things that were sort of unexpected so far were kind of simple right like DeFi summer 2020 or like DeFi in general. It was the next big thing, not because it was so complex, but because just it was composable and it was incentivized, right? These were the two things that made it into a like narrative on its own. NFTs, there are just at this point, just pictures that have, uh, you know, uh, some representation on, on Ethereum and you can trade them. And these got really big just because it was cool to mint art blocks and CryptoPunks were one of the first. So it, it was like really simple. Uh, layer ones are super simple today. Like, you know, that I mean, I'm not saying they are simple technically, but the narrative behind them is simple. Ethereum has problem scaling and these uh, alternative layer ones are stepping in to provide, you know, uh, to provide alternative and cheaper block space. Uh, so there are like three of them that are currently, you know, dominating like Solana, Luna and Avax, Avalanche. And it's not because, you know, some complicated technology being finally available, you know, like Luna is built on Tendermint. That's like old tech. Avalanche is using EVM. I mean, 
they have different consensus, but it's still like something that uh, that's pretty simple to and easy to understand. And yeah, Solana is like monolithic chain, which has interesting properties technologically, but still it, it was adopted mostly uh, thanks to like BizDev uh, push by SBF people around. And that's, like, yeah. So you're going back and saying what I said about the year of copypasta. Yeah, yeah, that... but, but but these all are like still next big things in terms of like market cap and like being you know something. I mean, like that, for in terms yeah. of adoption or in terms of. Yeah. I mean, that would be the sort of the macro narrative of you know more money flowing into crypto from institutionals, whatever you want to call them. And I feel like you know sort of every crypto bet is a subject to this macro bet if you want your app to succeed and not just pump and dump we need this macro crypto thesis to work and to me like next year is going to be interesting in terms of seeing whether we break the cycle as in you know like the standard crypto market cycle whatever you want to call it that was sort of related to bitcoin halving which seems pretty irrelevant today and the question of whether we go into the quote-unquote super cycle which i wouldn't interpret as as up only that doesn't really work that way so that for me is going to be interesting to see if, if we can sustain last year growth and whether we can you know grow more in terms of prices and uh this all depends on um not only on the underlying technology itself but also on the on the adoption but not the sort of the, the bottom up but more of more of a top-down kind of adoption as in institutionals and their liquidity i kind of feel that when you define super cycle you know broadly enough like everything is a super cycle even if you have like three-year bear market and then we go up again yeah like but that's not what it is stars. right yeah, yeah obviously in DeFi, we have this massive bear market. Uh, the whole world is in a super cycle. Except for DeFi. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe another big thing would be not something obvious like GameFi, like GameFi will be huge for sure. But maybe the next big thing will be when people will start to think more about like how to leverage uh, governance tokens in a way that you can reach the resources of these DAOs. Like for example, some of these DAOs or protocols has very juicy cash flow, which is like underutilized currently, or they have like huge backs right now, their own tokens, but we are starting to see like protocols having other tokens as well. Like most of the use is Olympus, but Faye and others they are acquiring more not just as a like property of like mechanism design but also more as a like diversification strategy of these DAOs maybe similar as like for example some whales or I'm not sure if market makers were able to for example calculate how much Bitcoin you need to dump on some market from which is constructing a Bitcoin price on, on BitMEX to cause uh, cascading liquidations maybe we can see this like kind of ripe attacks on DAO treasuries uh, not just like obvious attack but more as a like some like 40 50 chess from some like cartel to move resources of these DAOs in in a way that they are benefit like the first notion of this is uh, obviously convex finance but i think it's more used just for like amplifying profitability what if via convex or something which is like accumulating <laughs> convex you can redirect resources or cash flow of these protocols in in a way that you or like some group of people is benefiting from it much more than like overall community of these protocols because uh, usually people don't like to vote they 
don't have time to participate and stuff. So like low turnout. So this is something like uh, I would say it's like like there is MEV, you know, like minor extractable value, and this sounds a bit like a governance extractable value or something like that, which could start happening. And I I think that most of these DAOs that require you to vote on every little thing with tokens are broken and they shouldn't do it. But if they do, then obviously if they have a huge treasury, you know, these attacks are possible or not even attacks. They are just you know some sort of extractable value that lies there and it can get pretty competitive uh, like later on but i kind of think that this will be something that a couple of big players will dominate over time if, if it starts happening like big funds and some activist investors it won't be necessarily a next big thing in the eyes of average users or new users being uh, onboarded uh, into crypto right it's like mev like we all talked about mev and super exciting topic but now it's already being dominated by you know the smartest people on the planet with the fastest uh, intricate bots that can like extract this value and mere mortals they just don't care about it anymore they shouldn't because it's like the game is so advanced so like for me the next big thing is something that will capture attention of people who are even not in crypto yet so i would say that we are still waiting me and mati for this social graph thesis to materialize in crypto to have decentralized or like uh, independent permissionless social graph i i met one of these founders of uh, one of the project that built social graph on solana in lisbon and he's building it alone he just wanted to uh, get a little grant from solana foundation not even trying to raise funds yet so this is sort of a loan builder outside of you know he's not even that active on twitter and there is another guy i'm with touch with him for like a couple of years now he's like from the middle of russia and he's building this uh, sort of identity protocol which uses like staked uh, money a skin in the game which you can which you can kind of burn or steal uh, to increase your like let's say identity credit and these things are super creative and they are built by these like outsider builders instead of you know these big insider crypto native or crypto twitter active names that being said i still feel that it's super early i'm not sure if it can materialize next year but that's something that over the next five years would be interesting if it really materialized in any way yeah I think that's that's the web free thesis, right? If we get the uh, decentralized identity graph or you know some kind of identity protocol, then we can talk about web free. But what do you think about web free? It's becoming sort of a meh term, right? It's like a very buzzwordy thing. And uh, I think a couple of days ago it was I think Elon and 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 Jack Dorsey started to attack the term. So what do you think about web free thesis? Is it a good meme or? Yeah. You still yeah. think that it's it's something that people can uh, use as an anchor to um, come into crypto? Of course, but when someone like Elon, like Elon Musk uh, starts hating on something, you know, some some buzzword, obviously it's great meme, right? Now it starts to be a good meme when mainstream is like kind of you know aware of it and there, are, there is some pushback there is some conflict now it becomes a good meme it wasn't a good meme before when it was just a couple of crypto natives uh, just hallucinating about web3 on twitter and nobody would like really challenge that it wasn't a good meme back then it was just buzzword in the making let's say or meme in the making right now it becomes a good meme especially when there is a conflict around it when there are web2 so to speak web2 people 
pushing back because they have a lot of money to protect in their Web2 companies and VC funds and whatever. So they feel threatened. So they start to push back or maybe they don't understand it and they start to push back just because of not understanding what it is. For me, like Web3, I mean, it depends, right? Everybody will have different definitions. It's such a, you know, general term. You can put everything underneath it, everything like which is digital and new, let's say. Yeah, it means nothing. It's like AI, right? It's like it, it means everything and nothing at all. Yeah, but I mean, if you kind of try to define it at, at least a bit, I don't think you will like fail. You can actually define it. I would say that Web3 is enabling like digital ownership and sovereignty, you know, as opposed to your data and everything you do, your activity owned by a few big companies that can like shut you down anytime they want. So this is for me Web3, yeah. If Web3 has been around for a while as a term, right? Or web, web, yeah. Some people say Web3, some people say Web3.0. So I actually thought that one of the ways to adoption is Web3. And I thought this like back in 2018, 2017, where I actually thought that certain group of people close to the mainstream will adopt this thesis. It didn't happen. I thought this is going to be one way of regulators and the lefties going after the big tech where, you know, Web3 can sound a bit like a digital socialism like we own everything etc but it didn't happen and now you know web3 has emerged as a term i noticed a couple months ago like maybe summer or or later on and i and i actually see like big vcs talking about it right like we see a16z talking about web3 they are the the web2 um i mean they're have their crypto fund but they're also the big web 2 vc fund and you know they've backed the big tech yeah i feel the socialist narrative of web 3 failed a bit because i I saw some like people concerned about you know paying gas to rent-seeking ethereum validators and and eat holders and like i don't want my kids something like i don't want my kids to uh, have to pay some validators just to be able to publish pictures on the internet, right? So, I mean, there is a huge misunderstanding, but it sounds like these like SJWs or these like leftist uh, people, they won't really buy <laughs> Web3 being more qualitarian and socialist narrative. They kind of feel they are late, you know, or maybe people feel that they are late to crypto and all tokens already pumped, player one tokens already pumped. And Did you guys read Vasari or Ryan Selkis? He always writes these predictions. I haven't read them yet uh, for this year. Have you guys read it or not? I don't know. I don't like this much of predictions. As well. No, I don't like predictions either, but I mean, it's fun to read. That's all, right? It's in like, well, it's an it, entertainment. Actually, I prefer to read them retrospectively how much was guy right or not no i think like generally making predictions is for me like they they never really work i had some maybe general predictions that were okay but when i write them down and i go back and kind of think about the way i thought previously that's the valuable lesson but i think that i usually fail like 80% 80% of time, 90% of time. So when I look back on this year, probably wouldn't guess, wouldn't absolutely, I'd be probably, I'd be wrong in most of things. But yeah, it's it's what it is. It's really hard. Yeah, and that's I mean, why prediction markets are not. Our investments uh, predictions, basically. Yeah, they or, yeah, they work out on, on that level, but not yeah. in, in like, you know, idea. They can also like work they, out even if they are bad, uh, right? That's the magic yeah. of crypto. Yeah, yeah, I think market predictions work out for us generally, but I often think about the ways that, you know, some of it is just the market go in the right direction. I see many benefiting just, you know, because they participate and it doesn't really feel that good, right? If you see that everyone is going up, you're wondering whether your individual 
you know, investment thesis and all of that, whether they're, whether they're correct. I don't know. Maybe it's not even important to be correct in that sense. I don't think we should uh, make predictions. The same is case already in ThreadFi, where already like memetism is super strong with probably Tesla as a like best example. Yeah, moving on beyond predictions. Fisky, you had an interesting idea. Which one? <laughs> About question on uh, how we would do things differently. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like imagine we are starting crypto VC now today we have some money but we don't have any exposure to anything what would we do differently so as in i would have money but i would have no idea about what's going on or i would just have no connections whatsoever yeah, imagine that we are starting a vc fund now maybe you know a couple of people let's say we have like 10 million to invest and we're just starting now and you have some connections of course we are we don't have as as much of a history as we do now we are basically 2000 let's say 18 level in 2021 in late 2021 so the deal flow wouldn't be that great right you can buy on secondary as well yes exactly so that's what i'm saying that we would have to probably look there and i think the market gives you an opportunity these days so the same way luna was an open market or secondary market bet. I think there are similar things on the market today and the value. And I would I would probably start there. I don't believe in this closed room deals. I mean, <laughs> definitely beneficiary of those these days. But I always say that I don't think it's the oversubscribed round, you know, full of, you know, the big names that is going to be, you know, that I mean, it, don't get me wrong, like it will deliver returns, but I don't think it's going to be that like Solana wasn't oversubscribed, right? When we were investing in the seed round, whatever that was, or I don't know how many rounds they, they had, but it wasn't oversubscribed. I mean, Luna is our bet. It wasn't oversubscribed. Olympus wasn't oversubscribed. Yeah, so it's not necessarily the exclusive deals with exclusive names that are the best bets. So I would probably go through the market. I don't want to say token by token, but would probably identify a theme that I think it's going to, going to be interesting. Is going to be the next thing for crypto. We try to place my bets on the secondary market. What do you think is uncool these days? So I think like the uh, infrastructure thing is always uncool. You know, the, we had our middleware thesis, and that is the thing that it's always uncool because it's hard to meme it. And there are always things that you need to build on the infrastructure side. Then there's a question of value capture, right? Like, how do you capture value of something that is not necessarily um, sort of close to user, but it's not layer one? But I would I would go there. So and that would also mean privacy probably things like pocket maybe some aggregators you know stuff like that that would be the approach i would choose if i had no or not no deal flow but not that great of a deal flow and i could do well right because if you had no access to private deals since like 2019 and you would just buy on the market you could buy great things you could buy lent right uh, which is ave today you could have bought synthetics you could have bought luna you could have bought so many things that were out there that were liquid solana Solana, Solana yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Solana, one dollar. Right? Oh, Martin um, was depressed a lot those days. By the way, Kubo, you remember how we were like in 2019 and even like 20, we were going through market cap to like page 300 and later to find some like hidden gems on secondary. And then every time we would talk about it uh, on our Z Prime call, it would pump in the next couple of days. Yeah, it was like, like yeah. yeah. That was 2020 though. We, we stopped doing that because I don't feel there is much alpha there. I mean, it may be some but it's not as it was but i just remember like how we were kind of always happy to start buying something and then it pumped so we were we thought that someone might uh, you know 
listen to our calls. Um, and it was just I can you actually front running. See, yeah, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, but not, like I can see now. We are talking about Luna, and it's now 97. It already it pumped even higher <laughs> than when we started the recording. So I don't know. But I think pretty good tactic done by some VCs. How to how to get a deal flow is like lurk in a grant programs or foundation if they are like open source or on GitHub, so you can see like a new projects basically emerging there, or then visiting some like hackathons and uh, see new projects emerging there as well and talk to them directly. But most of these round, like most of these projects, have like rounds that are oversubscribed. Like right, right, you right. hardly can find a round that is a respectable round, and it's not oversubscribed. Many projects were created on hackathons or yeah, but... before, so I don't agree that they are oversubscribed. But I heard that, for example, it was a case on Solana hackathon that before and most of these projects was oversubscribed because it's obvious tactic. It's nothing special. But the it's... question was, what have we been doing? if we are starting right now so it would be hard for you to get in because the founder i feel like founder always prefers choose an investor that you know is this some sort of a name and yeah. i remember i was talking to some founders and i would I, i was telling them to like choose an investor that is not that well known if you have a good feeling about him because he has to make a name for himself so he probably would want to contribute more and that way sort of earn his reputation by helping you that's what i'm saying all the time to founders and what a community new community builders who want to build their communities and they want to attract all these influencers with uh, i don't know 50k plus followers like these guys i mean i'm one of them right so i know these guys get so many inbound dms and messages honorary nfts and advisory offers and i don't know what else like angel rounds i can i can get into like almost any angel round now guys like me we already like usually these like 50k plus accounts if they are not like some just some youtubers or some shillers they usually already a like, kind of made it in a way so they are not as hungry and they have investments in i don't know 50 different things so they won't be able to focus as much on your stuff than uh, than someone who is still like maybe like smart but new and not as well known and hungry and they maybe only have like 10 or five investments but it's hard to find them because there are so many people in crypto who have like don't have many followers it's hard to filter out who is who when there is some bigger name you know there is already at least some reputational stake they have if they fuck up the backlash is actually meaningful for them so i don't know it's kind of hard but i, I agree that new projects should try to find enthusiastic contributors and investors who are still hungry kind of new um and like they want to prove themselves as still feel like we're starting and we're not that established i i don't think that um uh, if we have started today it would be definitely much harder because we you know we wouldn't have like sort of like your twitter uh, deal flow right like these founders tweeting and dming you so i think it would be different but i still think that if we continue doing what we're doing today we would probably arrive at a similar point like even though this industry is gated you can make it out of you know without any connections if you're sort of curious enough to go and search for things most of these inbounds i get are from uh, projects that are raising seed and they look for angels because there is now this notion that like VC bet and for example Angel or Anonymous Whale good that's kind of you know that's, this is the meme so it's yeah. a very bad meme so actually like most projects I get oh, not most but let's say 40 to 50% of projects I get approached by they want me as an angel and they don't want like VC investors there is this like notion I mean of course Angel will take much less of the round so you can have much more angels so your distribution is much more let's say decentralized but on the other hand one single angel will never be able to focus as much 
much as like fund with multiple people with multiple different skills within it, right? So Angel can be someone who is working for some company and invests on the side and these people just don't have time to add as much value. So it's kind of, it's weird to see this. Anonymous whales, you know, and these people who will basically just do whatever to get in rounds and syndicate deals with their friends and then like be very opportunistic. They also don't have this bad vibe around them despite the fact that they may be as opportunistic if not more if some uh, some VCs. So it's, it's weird to see it. Uh, it's part of the bigger backlash I see on Twitter and elsewhere against, you know, VCs and billionaires and these like rich people that are like taking the cream out of poor guys and now the poor guys want to unite against them, right? You know, it's funny because you said that, you know, all these uh, non-VCs or non-regular investors as in standard firms uh, are getting deal flow and people want them in their rounds just like these, you know, the anons, people like yourself on Twitter. I think that, you know, these personas, these degen anons, they're just a crypto Twitter version of populist politician because they're degening themselves down to appear more kind of, oh, I'm one of you guys, but it's just a millionaires and billionaires. And their, you know, VC bad meme is like evil billionaire thing. So you're like a Bernie Sanders of crypto Twitter in a way. You're a populist Matthew politician. Have, Matthew, you have 10k followers yourself, so you are also becoming an influencer. So be careful what you say. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not like a degen type of... Um, so I, I'm not saying yourself, but... There are many very big accounts, Twitter accounts that are degening down as word that I would use. They're degening themselves down to appear more like, you know, be one of the masses. They're just like, you know, the populist leaders. I'm not saying you are one of those. I, I don't think you are. And those are the guys that are perpetuating this bad VC meme. Cause I, I mean, I'm not like a fan of all VCs or anything like, but it's just stupid to say all VCs are bad. I mean, they're good bag holders because just structurally, right? VCs, they don't trade. I told us founder once like um like i would take the standard vcs because they don't even know how to dump they probably won't receive their tokens for like the next couple of years they they're not able to access their wallet so they're pretty sort of dump proof i would say yeah like even for z prime when i compare the you know how fast or rather slow we react to stuff to when we want to buy something on secondary versus how i would do it myself with my own like wallet it, we are kind of slow because there is already a process established we have some security measures we cannot just react like uh, from hour to hour to quickly dump something if some something changes, right? We are usually slow money. Uh, we are usually slow money in and out of everything. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? So, I mean, yeah, we don't do that much secondary, right? Yeah, Even in terms of dumping, how much ohm have we? Like, we have not really dumped any ohm, right? Just insane when you think about it. I think we're like we're the only seed round participants that didn't really like sell. If we sold, we sold like uh, well, like maybe less than one percent. Yeah, something OTC, no. And then we did OTC, but that was that wasn't dumping on the market yeah so uh, but i mean it's even different for something like solana we also haven't sold that much so just like yeah, few we, percent of our portfolio yeah but right? even if i even if we dumped our you know sold like all of it like the market probably would yeah. budge so now it's like nothing right i mean it would budge it would budge come on it's, it's one of our biggest bags it would budge a bit yeah but, it but we wouldn't like we would not collapse it yeah, so uh, I, I don't understand the BC narrative. I don't think like Paradigm or A16Z are dumping on the market. And those are the big names. Or And also like VCs have a uh, benefit. Some of them are structured in a way that they can exit their portfolio in kind to their LPs. One of the big funds in the space did this a couple months ago. VCs don't have to dump on the market. They can, they can give it to their LPs in kind so you can get tokens. Some of these LPs, some of these investors, you know, they have enough cash so they might be just 
just sitting on those tokens for even longer. So if you're a big fund like Paradiamond or A16Z and you've raised that much money, you have to think about who's going to buy it after you and you cannot just dump it. Like dumping is not an option for them. You know, their work is, you know, sitting in a boardrooms with those pension funds and just trying to get them buy our bags and their huge bags. I don't think it's going to it's going to be that Dijon on Twitter that will help your bags, maybe in the short term, but not in a medium or long term. Um, so, I mean, one more thing, um, and we discussed this with, with Jakub quite often, was that ICOs of 2017 were probably the purest VC, against VC sort of technology or innovation that enabled people to invest quite early. But from that point on, it kind of got worse, right? It's uh, how everyone is scared from the regulations, same as us, unfortunately. So no one is doing these like public ICOs or public sales anymore, which leads to the concentration of uh, assets and wealth even more uh, in the hands of VCs. Then it's creating this like bad VC meme. Do you think privacy will change this? Or because like privacy is such an outrageous thing in today's world. Like it's absolutely, it's a taboo. What? Privacy? Yeah, it's a taboo when, or from the regular point of view or from just like mainstream point of view, privacy is immediately hinting at something dodgy. There's no, no concept of privacy as it's always something dodgy. So do you think privacy can change this? Privacy is like one thing that I'm very excited about and I wanted to see being developed more, but it will be super hard. Like even now, DeFi is super open. Everybody can see everything and regulators are pissing their pants because it's something new that they don't understand. Like put privacy on top and they are going to flip, right? Exactly. Yeah. What I don't understand, how do we get to privacy on DeFi, privacy in general? I'm not sure if it's a point for privacy, but being anon is uh, making uh, your life easier, especially in this case. Like if Zeus wouldn't be anon, he would never do the Discord sale in a fashion how it was done. So sometimes when you are recommending this to our founders, I don't think it's the best setup for them because if they're like publicly known person, or if they are not anons it's not much for them obviously but if you are anon you can do like ico discord sale like whatever you prefer or whatever you think is right for your project rather than do the private sale with same names or like different names but if you think about this if the number going up depends on the uh, institutional adoption and uh, DeFi going mainstream etc you cannot afford to have anon founders because that is not going to be accepted ever right how do we reconcile that Obviously, we need privacy. We need at least some level of pseudo-anonymity. I think Balaji talks about this concept of freedom after speech and sort of cancellation proof or to some extent cancel proof because of the cancel culture. So how do we reconcile that? We need institutionals to adopt crypto. And on the other hand, having some level of privacy because in today's world, privacy has no place as an TreadFi world and the world out there, the uh, your standard life. I would say the smart institutions, they want to like overcome this risk or this like fear from like Anon doing, making a rug pull on them. Then they can, they can ask like whatever security audit company to do like audit of code, like how much, how much is possible the founder, the Anon founder can make a rug pull or not. Or basically the same procedure as like MakerDAO is doing during like collateral assessment or like during 
research on new collateral onboarding process. So the uh, developers, MakerDAO guys are checking the code. What, what are the governance risks? What are like the, the technical? No, no, no. Business. You don't understand. They're not concerned about this type of rock pool risk. They're concerned about money laundering, terrorists, uh, yeah. uh, not paying taxes. Yeah. That is their concern. It's not rock pool. That is least of their concerns. Is this sort of more kind of general narrative, uh, the everyday narrative that we hear not on crypto Twitter, but in the normie life. I don't see a way how to reconcile privacy with the mainstream narrative of how privacy is bad. I think you will have uh, uh, the same way you have dark web, you know, or deep web. You will have the same with crypto. You will have these like pools of dark and deep DeFi protocols that enable privacy and they are like something like the pirate bay of crypto like kind of hard to pinpoint hard to stop and then there will be like some more open uh, and public pools that will be sanctioned something like that i think it, it kind of needs to divide at least for a, some period of time until you know overton window kicks wide open mm. yeah we will be like forming of underground DeFi and like institutional DeFi. okay i think that we talked a lot about things that people are not really interested in so we can... <laughs> yeah I will make it. Um, I'm actually glad we didn't speak about macro, though. We talked about the super cycle, but we didn't talk about yeah, like tapering and, and COVID and all these things because oh, everybody yeah. talks about it. Right? Yeah, but that's the thing that can change everything. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, let's see how people like this one. I don't think we're gonna do it regularly. Regular podcasting and stuff. And this is not a podcast. No, no, this no. is just like a our conversation that is gonna be out there. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I would just say <laughs> Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs> cool. Merry Christmas to everyone. Yeah. If you will get any any money as a like Christmas gift, please buy more crypto. <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy, this buy is not an investment uh, advice. 